which it's already uh, we're already 36 minutes into this thing and we haven't talked <laughs> one minute of avengers so we probably should start oh, oh. doing some of that okay because we're... otherwise we're going to just sit so, so, so we're doing the dr druid overview are we oh yeah yes that's yes. what that's why we couldn't get scott here i just gotta get one thing but you guys can start it and i'll just join you in just a minute okay oh okay okay yep uh, just all hang up now. <laughs> Everybody stay quiet. Because <laughs> like you guys there? What? <laughs> and then all, all he's gonna hear is us like giggling like little schoolgirls. <laughs> yeah, we're here. No, I mean we're not. <laughs> I'm giving a snapple. <laughs> I didn't hear you screaming when I got my snapple. Oh, I was. Did you, did you threaten to snapple my leg again? No, no, no. <laughs> I said I had to go yell at my son. What are you, deaf? Turn down the goddamn TV. What's wrong with you? All right, well, uh, I guess since Avengers is my baby, I guess I I have to do the intro. You have to do all the work. We're just alone for the ride, baby. La, 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 la. I didn't hear a lot of you, DJ. La. God. That's that's uh, Hercules from in New York when they had uh, somebody dub Arnold's voice. Hello everyone and welcome to the Avengers Spotlight, episode 1.5. And uh, this evening we have, or this evening, or whenever you're listening, we have a, uh, a full house tonight as myself... Dr. Bill Robinson is the host, and with me I have uh, Dave Atterbury. Hello. I have Mr. Paul Spataro. Hello there. And special, special guest, Sir Thomas DJ. Okay, we're covering uh, that issue where it's the, the team is uh, Thor and the forgotten hero Gilgamesh and the two Fantastic Four kids, right? No. Damn it! <laughs> Wait a minute, I'll be right back. I gotta go read something else. <laughs> so before we get started, anybody have anything in particular to plug? I know, Tom, you have your new book out. Yes. New Roads to Hell. That Allegiance, New Roads to Hell, which is available on uh, Amazon. And in fact, it's on sale right now, uh, $14.77, so you save about $2.00. If you like if you like superheroes, you like horror, horror, you like pulp. This is the book for you. And uh, Bill, I want to once I want to publicly thank you for uh, provide helping me with that promo that we put together. Oh, that was my pleasure. No, no problem, Tom. Okay. I saw you posted something that the sales were up on the book. Yeah, the, the past week it's it's gone up a lot. The sales it, originally it's like it was like one that one million four hundred and something. So I figure it's like, you know, three people and a dog bought a copy. 
And since it's climbed up in the, this week, it's climbed to like 3,090-something. Mm-hmm. So I think now about a dozen people in a dog bought a cop. Oh, oh, that's where it's rated on the overall. I see what you're saying. So like its yeah. placement was one, one million something, and now it's up in the 3,000s? Yeah. Wow. Hmm. So, Do well, like I said, we don't know how, mu- how much that big leap represents. So. How many uh, were initially printed in its run, in its first well, run? Well, it's, it's a print-on-demand. Oh, oh, okay. I got you. I understand. So, you know, as long as you guys want them, we'll make them. Hmm. Awesome. Well, now, I, I put a link for the book in the Back to the Bin show notes, I'd say, two episodes ago. And okay. when we put this up, we should add a, another link for it yeah. as well. Yeah, I'll I'll drop that in there. And if I can't figure it out, I'll call you, Paul. <laughs> um, that's what I'm there for. Tech support. From the oldest guy here. <laughs> Hit it with a rubber hammer. <laughs> Poing. Poing. Smacks me Thank you head. for reminding me that I'm the oldest guy here again. I appreciate that. I always enjoy time that. Rotor. That's all. <laughs> oh, wait. Wrong podcast. <laughs> so, Dave, have you yes, got sir. anything that uh, well, you've been... You've guessed us with... You've, uh, you've been starting to become a semi-regular. You've been on... Back in the summer, you were on a few podcasts, and we just yeah. wrapped up one. You going to be with us for um, Thor, or do you think we're going to do a Thor review one, guys? I'm sure Chris is going to put together a uh, panel for that. You up oh, for yeah, that, Dave? Definitely. Yeah, Thor was my favorite of the, the first wave of the Marvel movies, so definitely be up for that one. I'm hearing this one's pretty funny, a little bit more funnier than uh, than last time, perhaps. And that, and that there's going to be two credit sequences. There's going to be one in the middle and uh, one at the end for scenes. I don't know what they are. They didn't spoil that, but they just said that there are two distinct scenes in it this time nice. around. Very nice. So Yeah, I, I've been avoiding any and all information about it, like the plague. So Yeah, I'm at the point where I'm doing that as well because it's close enough to the movie now that you run yeah. the risk of getting a real spoiler, and I like to try and be spoiler-free if I can. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I felt pretty burned by that. That I thought that last trailer they put out for Iron Man three was ridiculous. So, oh, I with the, it, uh, you know, I read something else on that too. That that was not originally the one that they were going to have. That it was originally supposed to be a scene where Iron Man was actually going to be in deep space, and it was going to link to the Guardians of the Galaxy, and that he would be receiving a deep, uh, deep space distress signal and he would go up into space because some of the toys they had were like deep space iron man suits oh right right yeah and no, I, I, I meant the uh, the last trailer for iron man 3 not the, the not the, the credit sequence not the credit sequence but the last trailer like i'm like what did what did they show in the last trailer that that threw you off oh you mean that kind of spoiled the movie yeah they showed the the shot of all the uh, of all the suits showing up which oh, I thought well, was that's right. ending with the the Hulkbuster armor kind of busting through the wall, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and I, and I and the only reason I ended up thought I couldn't believe they did it was because then when I saw the movie and I was like, wow, that pretty much was like half that sequence, and so <laughs> they showed in the trailer. I just I was like, man, I wish they'd have just saved that shot for the movie because it was a pretty awesome. Yeah, well, I mean, well, as a Mitchelliney fan, you know, uh, Iron Man, Mitchelliney, late in era fan, when I saw the Hulk, I was like, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, that was one of the best ones too. I thought that was really uh, a really cool design. Well, plus they- I don't I don't I don't know if you guys remember when when we talked about that. I guess we 
talked about that. I don't remember if we did it on Back to the Bins or Comic Comics Monthly Monday, but we did a review of that movie when it came out. And uh, of the group, I had been pretty disappointed with that movie and when it when it came out. And I've since now seen it on TV, and I found fa- I found that it actually plays much better at home than it did in the movie theater. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it when I got a chance to rewatch it now. Yeah, I liked it a little better too after rewatching it uh, at home. So. It's, which is which is weird because it's not a small little movie with no special effects. I mean, there's plenty of special effects and explosions and everything, but it's still it plays smaller, I guess, when you compare it to like the Avengers. Yeah, you know what? I think it works because at its core, it's it's a it's a typical Shane Black action movie. Mm-hmm. You know, you can swap out uh, Robert Downey Jr. and uh, Don Cheadle for Mel Gibson and um Danny, Danny Glover. Glover and the movie would be relatively unchanged. Yeah, I see that. It's true. Yeah. It's that's uh you know and and it it almost uh I I think it was a concerted effort on their part to scale it down a little bit because if they just try and go bigger and better with every movie it's just going right. to get it's 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 going to get bigger and it's not going to get better. And so. you figure with Guardians of the Galaxy going off into space, because I know that that was something that Kevin Feige had talked about, that he wanted to expand the realms that you could do in a Marvel movie in the next mm-hmm. phase, which is why I think he had talked about Doctor Strange at some point. It yeah, might be better. about that. You know, it might be better to uh, do something a little more intimate with the the flagship franchise of the the whole machine. And uh, now, like like Bill was saying too, uh, with Guardians of the Galaxy, just at the time that when that movie came out, they had Iron Man appearing in the Guardians of the Galaxy comic, right? Which I thought was going to be the total tie-in that at the end of the movie they were going to have a little clip mm-hmm. where he goes off into space and, you know, maybe not even show the Guardians but show their ship or something that he's making contact with them or something along those lines. I was fully expecting that, and then when you know when the post credit sequence was him and the and David and Bruce Banner I almost said David Banner uh you know that that was a surprise to me well yeah. from what i read i believe it was robert downey's idea to change that to that scene and that the original scene was some type of reference or connection to the guardians of the galaxy but he wanted to do that scene instead well you consider that i don't even think the film was like 90% was wasn't even like 20% cast at the time the Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, that's um, why yeah. they could have done it with just seeing the ship as opposed to actually seeing yeah. the cast. I, and quite frankly, I'm somewhat disappointed that they did not get uh, Gina Carana to play uh, Gamora. Well, because you have to have Zoe... El- Del- uh, what is it? Saldana Sal- in every film. Yeah. yeah, she has to play every female lead now in an action movie. <laughs> but on the other hand, Karen Gillan is Nebula. Well, I saw the pictures of her that. at Comic-Con. She looked good. Hey, of course. I guess I'll have to paint her blue. I don't care. Is it? Is it? <laughs> I, I'll do it. <laughs> Kirkwood. Is it right here? I'm, I'm volunteering, Karen. Isn't Nebula blue or is she red? What is she? Yes, no, she's blue. Okay, it's been a while Neb- since you are she correct. is Thanos's granddaughter. Correct? Supposedly, that remains to be seen. There, well, there is that scene, and I think it's the was it the Infinity uh, War? One of the Infinity. Um, miniseries had that scene where Thanos basically showed up on Nebula's ship and said, stop calling yourself my granddaughter. You're embarrassing me. You're my cousin at best. 
<laughs> I'm trying to remember. I don't remember that scene. Well, there were so many. But we had the so Gauntlet, the Crusade, the War. Yeah. Well, the, the Gauntlet was really good. The War was good, and then the Crusade sucked. That was at least my memory of them. The biggest problem with the war was that we had these doppelgangers that wouldn't leave the books after the, the, the miniseries was over. Yeah, they, the, the Spider-Man one was showing oh. up with it. The yeah, demo yeah, captain that, and yeah, those two hung around the longest, I think, you know, of, of all the, the dupes. The fact that we're going to have Vin Diesel reduced to just saying, I am Groot, over and over again. But he's going to say it in different inflections so we can see his, his acting range. I just remember when everyone was thinking, oh, he's going to be the Vision, he's going to be the Vision. I'm like, no, 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 we don't need a Guido Vision. <laughs> His voice would be good for the Vision, though. Mm-hmm. That that deep, gravelly voice, you know, you, you, it almost, like you could see it, him doing the computerized sound and yet still having a little bit of inflection into it. He used to have a barbecue. And everyone was invited as long as they believed in robots. Nobody saw Fast Five, okay? No, I didn't. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, no. I rescind this la- that last bit. Oh. <laughs> no, too late. It's out there, pal. For a fee, I can edit that out. <laughs> so, I guess we'll take a uh, quick promo here. Throughout its history, people have found this place disquieting. Strange and unexplained phenomena run rampant, so much so that it has been called the city that lives by night. And the city that lives by night needs a darker form of protector. Black Talon. Please don't kill me! You tell them all, Nocturne is the Talon's hunting ground. Your kind had best look elsewhere for prey. Nightbreaker. What was this? Some sort of joke? No! Gloria, this sounds crazy, I know, but she did shoot me. Something happened. I'm still not sure what, but people don't recognize unless I truly concentrate on their wanting to see me. It's like I'm invisible. Fairy man. The ghosts you refer to have done more for me than you two have. They've given me my sight back. <laughs> They've given me better than my sight back. Dream catcher. Witches, warlocks, mages, magicians, shamans. Call us what you like. It's all the same. We've helped when we can, eluded those too ignorant to understand that magic isn't evil. And it's made us sensitive to others who have magic running in their veins. A quartet of heroes standing together must face a new menace. This can be painless, you know. You ain't putting the front is on me, Slag. Just take your shot, yeah? I was hoping you'd say that. Who is going to use the roughest elements of the city? You that rose red bitch? That's right. I'm not even mad at you for adding the bitch part. Because I am. And I know you guys are some of the nastiest, toughest, roughest, meanest bastards in this town. Am I right? Yeah! Good, because I have need of you. To send this city... Come on! To end tonight. Down New Roads to Hell. New Roads to Hell, the first Shadow Legion adventure by Thomas DJ. A new novel coming soon from Airship 27. For more information, including character sketches and behind-the-scenes information... Visit the Nocturne Travel Agency at welcometonocturne.blogspot.com and airship27.com.
And we're back. Wow, that's so quick. I'm not back yet. Hold on. Oh, wait, wait, wait. And we're back. (laughs) Wait, wait, I'm missing an arm. Uh, (laughs) How did it get in my house? Go, get that out of here. All right, I'm going to begin the minutia of the issue, and we will hop in. We are covering tonight, if you haven't figured out by now, Avengers 1.5, which its cover date is October 1999, and its on-sale date was September 29th, 1999. Cover price, 250 cents for 32 pages, and the cover is by Bruce Timm. And this was actually released between Avengers 21 and 22 of the Music and Paris run for act, for when it actually came out in real time in relationship to the regular Avengers. But this I- issue actually takes place thematically or story-wise in between Avengers 1 and 2, hence the Avengers 1 half or 0.5. We had our writer was Roger Stern, who was filling in for Stan Lee. Artist is Bruce Timms, filling in for Jack Kirby. A letterer, inside the comic, it says Comic Craft, but when I looked on Mike's Amazing World, it said Richard Starkings, and they were filling in for Sam Rosen on the letters, and the editor is Tom Brevoort, filling in for Irvin Forbush. For those of you who get the Irving Forbush gag, if not, I believe you can find that out on the Fantastic Cast. You guys know what, who Irving Forbush was? Mm-hmm. He was the one that was blamed for everything that went wrong at Marvel, basically. And, and eventually portrayed as Forbush Man, Man in Not Brand Eck. And he had the, uh, I believe it was the red pajamas or the red long johns with the, I think he had a, uh, didn't, didn't he have like a frying, no, not a frying, he was a, wearing a pot on old, his head. Yeah, he was wearing the original red tornadoes uniform. He looked like mm-hmm. my uncle or something. Or, yeah. <laughs> Which is a, from a completely different brand. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anybody have anything in particular to say about the cover with the Bruce Tim art? Well, I, Gee, I mean, I, I have cannot little... guess who this mystery villain is. Oh yeah, <laughs> he is totally <laughs> obscured by this cover, by the metallic armor and the green cloak over, and the fact <laughs> that he says "doom" at the end of his sentence. <laughs> but I don't see a face. I have no idea who it is. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. You'll gasp at the identity of our mystery guest villain. Really, you will. I promise. Which <laughs> the first page reveals it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I think it's the second page. <laughs> no, it's the first page. First page. The title. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. True. Yes. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> yes. It, on it's, our... it's, the layout for the cover is, you know, classic Marvel style. But I, I and we'll talk more about the artwork as as we go go through it. I don't think that Tim's style recreates the time period that they're doing so much as just has a cartoonish look of its own. It comes close, but yeah, it's just not quite. It it, it looks too refined, even in its rawness. I guess, boy, that's yeah. Speaking about, but I, I mean, as we go through the finer <laughs> points of the book, I guess we'll talk a little bit more about Tim's artwork in it. Yeah. So on our cover, we have the Hulk, Iron Man, Thor, Ant-Man, and the Wasp. There's a bunch of machinery around them as they're busting through and heading towards our mystery villain who's getting ready to press the button on a plunger. Uh, God knows what it's going to do. We have Thor, Iron Man, the Hulk, Ant-Man, and the Wasp, plus a startling new hero joins the ranks of the Avengers. But who? 
and you'll gasp at the identity of our mystery guest villain. Page after page of pulse-pounding thrills, another titanic triumph from the marvelicious Marvel Age of Comics. Not even all your powers can stop me, Avengers. Prepare to meet your doom. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) I always got to work one in there somewhere. Yes, and you are correct. On the first page, we do figure out who the villain is. The mighty Avengers face the death trap of Dr. Doom. It's not the Dooma. (laughs) (laughs) We open the tale with a few choice words from a Walter Cronkite-esque announcer. Good evening, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Iron Man and the Hulk and Thor, five members of that select fraternity known popularly as superheroes. Today announced the formation of a team they are calling the Avengers. The New York State Attorney General's office confirms that the five have created a charter stating their intent to work together, quote, to protect and safeguard the planets, the planet Earth, its inhabitants, and resources for many and all threats beyond the power of conventional forces. We next are shown the reactions of of the general public, other heroes like the FF and Spider-Man, and the last few lines of the newscast elicit a rather violent response from a particular resident of Latveria, one Dr. Doom. Doom has gone all Elvis on the TV that had shown the broadcast. He vows that the Avengers must be, dealt, must be dealt with before they can become a problem. 36 hours later, a major bowman of the National Security Council arrives at Tony Stark's Manhattan mansion and asks to see the Avengers. The ever-loyal, if not bored-sounding, Jarvis leads him to them. The bowman walks in on the newly formed team as they banter back and forth about the dreaminess of Tony Stark, the use of the mansion, and the reasons for wearing clothing. They are then briefed about Dr. Doom, his recent run-ins with the FF and the government, particularly about Doom's flying fortress that looks like a Led Zeppelin. Ramble on, sing a song. Okay, there's our music reference. Well played. Check mark. Which was seized and under study in Fort Monmouth, New Jersey. Which is probably a bad place for anything to be in New Jersey. Unfortunately, I was born in New Jersey. But enough said about that. At that very moment, said fortress is taking off and cannot be stopped by the men at the base. Bowman is phoned immediately and tells the Avengers. Outside, a state-of-the-art jetcopter lands to take our heroes on an intercept course. Thor, of course, travels by hammer. Airwolf, uh, uh, no, no, can't use that. The Fantastic uses that. Uh, Blue Thunder, yeah, Blue Thunder. No, no, Sean uses that on just one of the guys. Um... TC and Magnum. Crap. That's the Pats. That's Pat Smash. Ah, I know. The Screaming Mimi from NBC's 1980 show Riptide. <laughs> Nailed it. Is <laughs> what they all pile in and they quickly reach their target. And we are amazed at the size of the 1,000 foot long and 250 foot wide ship that is a marvel in itself. As they close in on the craft, a grappler ray locks on and pulls them in. The Hulk, eager for a fight, leaps towards the ship and provides an opening, literally, after smashing open the side in which the helicopter can land. Before they can all exit the the copter, Hulk is smashing his way into the ship. Hank Pym directs the Wasp to stay with the chopper to avoid a flanking move by Doom. Right, sexist Hank just wants her to stay there. Yeah, right, right. 
She returns to find the Major and the pilot getting ready to leave. She protests and is then knocked out from behind by a gas gun, being told she will sleep, such is the will of Dr. Doom. Meanwhile, the Hulk has found some sort of test chamber coated in Teflon. Oh, good lord, the humanity. The Hulk slips into the air and is then shot continuously, continuously by air jets, keeping him aloft and unable to gain any leverage. Elsewhere, Thor is musing about the Hulk, not noticing a particular ominous air duct, until it deposits scores of heat-seeking power spheres of death. The globes swarm and cover our hero. Doom watches in glee as the Hulk and Thor are trapped, not seeing or hearing Iron Man as he comes around the corner. His boots were on whisper mode. However, we know this as the solar power mode. Almost there. Almost. <laughs> I'm coming for you, Doom. I'm just about there. Gonna make it. Oh, he sneaks up on Doom and gets a bazak for his trouble. It's not Doom, but a robot. And it is draining his power. If it gets too low, his chest plate will shut down and Tony's injured heart will cease beating. Simultaneously, several levels away, Ant-Man discovers a tied-up Major Bowman. Only Major Bowman has never met Hank and doesn't know the Avengers are on the fortress. Doom had surprised him in the ship on the ship and took him prisoner. Both men turn to see a monitor with another Bowman. Pulling off his mask to reveal Dr. Doom. Doom pontificates on the defeat of them one by one. Their final moments are being recorded, and he will show the world how he defeated the so-called Mighty Avengers. The Wasp, trapped in a tiny globe next to Doom, thinks she sees a way out. More on that later. Meanwhile, Pym and Bowman are being gassed when Pym, using a growth pill, is able to smash out of the trap as Giant Man. Moving through the corridors, they are quickly able to find and free the Hulk. Hulk being confused by Pym's size and still being dizzy after his ordeal, blarfs on the floor. They come upon Thor, who is moments away from being sucked into another dimension by Doom's spheres. Thor, not being one to give up, is swinging his mighty Mjolnir faster and faster until he creates a vortex that tears apart the fabric of reality, obliterating the spheres. Now the heroes come across Iron Man close to death. The Hulk smashes the robot, draining his energy, and Thor gives him an electric charge via the power of the storm. They head out for the showdown with Doom, who is at this moment about to step before the camera. He asks for the globe with Wasp in it, only to see Thor's hammer smash both the globe and the camera. Thor threatens to layeth the smackdown with Uru hammer, only to have Doom reflect Bajolner back at him. Iron Man prepares a little repulsor blast, but Doom skedaddles away down a hole in the floor before the heroes reach him. The Hulk, who is still trying to get the blarf off of his feet, rips through the floor, suddenly catching Doom, and rips his head off. Oh, holy cow! Tony asks, Hey, how'd you know that was a robot, Hulk? Hulk answers, robot? The victory is a short one as the ship begins to list and seems to be going down. They have to get out, but can't get back to the chopper. Finding an escape pod, they argue over who should go, Bowman or the Wasp. Hulk has had enough and shoves Bowman in and with a dainty tink, launches Bowman away. Quickly, Hulk tells the others to quit whining about the pod and help him make an exit. 
They reach the outside and leap off as the ship explodes. Hulk yelling Geronimo, Iron Man flying, Thor using Mjolnir, and Ant-Man and Wasp on his shoulders? What? Why didn't they just fly away? Yeah, never mind. Moments later, they stand on a rocky Long Island shore watching Doom's craft splash into the water. We discover that the Wasp had saved their collective bacon. She had read the schematics for the ship with the trap locations and transmitted them to to Ant-Man. Thor finally ponders that with all the robots that were on the ship, did they ever truly face Doctor Doom? Miles away, a grim figure watches the Avengers, saying, You may never know, Asgardian. You may never know. So says Doom. And that is the end of the story. Doom is sitting in front of the first plasma TV ever. (laughs) (laughs) Be quiet. Different strokes is on. <laughs> well, it depends if uh I like Mrs. Garrett. <laughs> if this if this is when Avengers came out, he might have been watching uh Bachelor Father or something along those lines. The courtship of Eddie's father? Yeah. No, no, that's that's, that's, that's even that's later. later. Need to tell you about my best friend. I wonder if Doom has any friends. <laughs> it's got yes. stuff. I make them my friends. He has Boris. I haven't seen Boris you in a long time. Be my friend on penalty of death. Right, yes, Doctor Doom. <laughs> what do you want to go to? <laughs> I want to play some cool. And, and then, he probably has and like then conquer a, a, a country. He, you know, he he probably has that little annoying friend, like the cartoon with the two dogs, with the little dog that jumps back. Hey, Spike, what do you want to do, Spike? You want to go here, Spike? And this guy walking back and forth, eat, each side of Doom. Doom, what do you want to do? You want to go do? Want to go beat somebody up, Doom? You want to do this? You want to go play some pool? What do you want to do? And he just turns and just blasts him. Silence, Lackey. Boris, bring me another friend. <laughs> yes, uh, another another friend right away, sir. So, any initial reactions? I, I think this kind of fits into the feel of what it's supposed to represent. I think it's written very well for the for the time that it's supposed to represent. I, I think it, it fits right in story-wise. Even, and but it's not as, like, I remember as, as, as much explanation that Stan Lee did when, you know, because our last episode was issue one and that seemed to take forever (laughs) you know with a lot of the exposition i mean but there's there's still some in here but it's not quite as meaty with the exposition but still enough to to capture the feel of the time of when this is supposed to take place i I think they that he hit on a lot of the tropes of the day you know back then uh right let's look in on the other parts of the marvel universe and see what their reaction is to this yeah Oh, That's yeah. a big thing, you know. Just just a little quick cameo by the Fantastic Four and Spider Man. Like the one thing that seemed like a real early Marvel Silver Age thing was when Doom basically had enough, and he there just happens to be an escape hatch right where he's standing, and he just jumps <laughs> into it. <laughs> that that seemed to to be really fitting for the time that this came out. I may be in trouble here. Put an escape hatch. <laughs> no, 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 no. One foot over. Okay, that's the there spot. We- we it's just a giant slip and slide through the whole ship. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> and then the uh, use of the Doombots, the 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 last that last shot of him sitting, you know, solitary and brooding, just 
you know, really seemed very, like I said, early Marvel Silver Age ish. Doom must have a lot of spotlights. <laughs> He's got the little spotlight. He discovered the moonlighting, Maestro. <laughs> <laughs> I like myself in spotlight. Keep the rest of the room dark. I didn't even notice that he's sitting in the spotlight. The whole room is dark. Quiet, Boris, I'm in my brooding chair. <laughs> no, no, don't bring me a friend now. Then he he like looks up to the light and he breaks in the song. There's like a musical chair. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just with the shot. You, I mean, can't you picture him going into "Am I Blue" right now? Oh yeah. <laughs> And they gotta do that. They gotta do that '70s TV thing where where his like his profile fades in in the upper left hand corner of the screen. He's <laughs> to the metal armor. Well, here's to Why the can't people see the person that's inside of me? <laughs> and then, uh, Bill, you got competition, my friend. And then he arches his back, and and it becomes a uh, uh, flash <laughs> dance. The chain and <laughs> one it out. <laughs> And, and, it, and, it, and it shocks and electrocutes him. Doom does not get electrocuted. What was I thinking? He's got the armor with the, the kind of like hanging off one shoulder Chris, thing. Get me Jennifer Veal so I can kill her. What a feeling. <laughs> this, would be the, this would be the Avengers sing-off with Bill and Tom. <laughs> Dave's like, I'm out. Yeah, Paul and Dave are gonna go elsewhere. <laughs> so, so, so we start to get the back of the book or the front. <laughs> we're jumping all over. You know, one of the things that that to me hurt. You know, I guess you shouldn't complain about free things, but the little insert, the Spider-Man Mysterio story. Oh, I I read right over that. I did. It just takes you to like if even if you take a look at it for a minute, it takes you totally out of the feeling of that you're reading a. You know, '60s book. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because Especially they and all the uh, pains they took to keep all of the ads out, except and and create their own ads circa 1963. Yeah, yeah they exactly. yeah they did all the big splash pages that you used to see for the other books in the Marvel universe. We've got the um, <laughs> the one at the beginning, the ad at the very beginning of the book, the insult that made a corpse out of Mac. <laughs> Oh my gosh! <laughs> it shoots a guy in the face with a bazooka. <laughs> hey, quit what shooting that bazooka! Look at my face. <laughs> hey, quit shooting that bazooka in my face. That man is the worst nuisance on the beach. Listen here, I'd smash your face. Only I can't find it now. Meanwhile, he's got blood spurting out of his neck. <laughs> and the guy stands there, big, big. Really, I'm going to leave it someday because now his face is entirely encased in uh, bandages. <laughs> And then uh, he should have he should have sent away for Doctor Doom's <laughs> Doctor Doom, Doctor Doom's physical culture kit. So then the guy's working out just like in the original Charles At- Atlas ad, and then he's you know he's kicking the chair, which I still don't understand to this day. He's reading a book and like all the oh, furniture is flying. <laughs> Screw you, lamp! You're out of here. Knocking the I'll picture. I'll show off. him. Boy, it only took well, this is funny. Boy, it only took six years for that world to do its work for me. That bullying won't shove me around. And then you next see him on the beach. Says, "What you here again? Here, something I owe you." And he punches him in the face, and his head explodes. And then in the next shot is him being led away in handcuffs by the cop. Come along, murderer! You'll get the chair for this. Killer of the beach. Gosh, what a killer! He's already famous for it. 
And then it's, uh, you know, so basically it's a parody ad, if you haven't figured out by now, for the for the old, the old Charles Atlas Get Strong ads. Uh, but it's still the, funny. Uh, the story was passed down through the ages on papyrus scrolls by two immortal hunchback monks who dwell within the forgotten vaults of Genghis Khan, located somewhere in the towering peaks of the Himalayas. Somebody uh, took a lot of time putting this together. Yeah. Win this worthless trophy. <laughs> <laughs> then, I, then I think our other big ad, we, we have a couple, like I said, the house ads for other books that were out at the time. Which yeah. I like those. They, yeah, they are. Pains, they not. painstakingly put those together. I would love to read the Kid Cult Outlaw issue. Number 112 and a half. Mm, yeah. I used to like Red Wolf back then. Now, there's another ad about auto repair, and I couldn't really see if it was just, you know, I couldn't tell if this one was a joke or not, because nothing really jumped out as being completely absurd, but maybe it is, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe the size of that engine. Uh, I, I don't know. Did you guys think that one was supposed to be a parody or not? Uh, it is a parody. Look at the fine print. The commie menace has beaten us to outer space, but we can stop it there with some good old-fashioned all-American automobile and ingenuity. Join the fight oh today God. against the Reds. Oh, I didn't see that. <laughs> God. <laughs> what is that? Oh, Car Teaching Institute, official sponsor of mentally maximization through mental for through motor mechanics. <laughs> Oh, and that's where the commie meant it's oh, way down in the fine print there. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I didn't see that. And eh, my eyesight ain't what it used to be. And then the one on the back is the, not the sea monkeys, but the sea baboons. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Enter the wonderful world of amazing live sea baboons, the real-life fun pest. You kill yourself. So <laughs> eager to die, they just sit there and wait for it. <laughs> and, then, and then you have the picture of young Billy. Well, I guess I shouldn't use myself. Young Billy smashing... <laughs> Something on the countertop with his parents look on lovingly over his shoulder. <laughs> oh. Characters shown are an artist's interpretation of what sea baboons could look like if they looked that way and are not meant to be a representation of real sea baboons. But they might be, maybe, sometimes. <laughs> Did anybody either ever order the sea monkeys or know I, somebody who ordered them? Right here. I th Weren't sea monkeys, weren't they just nice. brine shrimp? Yeah, they were just brine shrimp. Yeah, you know what? Actually, I killed a bunch of brine shrimp. Oh, Paul, this is our segment. <laughs> oh, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> welcome to another uh, another episode of Real Life with Dr. Bill Robinson. So back when I was in um, my biology class in high school, I actually did a science fair project that was on the uh, at what salinity level of uh, salt water would brine shrimp begin to die off and uh so actually uh, i actually got third place in the science fair for that and uh, i don't really remember anything about it but yeah i killed a bunch of brine shrimp i killed some sea monkeys what you gonna do about it special with every sea baboon kit we will include these valuable supplies sea baboon resurrection kit containing mini electrodes and magic plasma sea baboon food to withhold for fun and pleasure <laughs> Sea Baboon Manual, a hundred creative ways of killing sea baboons and a surgical blade for merciless dissection once they're dead, <laughs> even if they're not. Didn't the sea monkey ad have like one sea monkey that had like a crown on its head? Like yeah. he was the king yes. of the sea monkeys? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I when, when, you, when you got them, did you get that one time? No. <laughs> you, you didn't get the king of the sea monkeys? No wonder. No, it was you know no what else fun. I got? 
what was it? It was the Magic Crystals. Does everybody remember Magic Crystals? Vaguely. Is that rock These were these like little multicolored things. You put them in water and they basically Oh, and they like, grow, yeah. Yeah. Pointlessly. <laughs> <laughs> well, look at that castle in the background. That's a pretty scary looking castle. It's Grayskull. <laughs> That's what it looks like. It's <laughs> No, it's it's Doom's castle. And then you have the un <laughs> No wonder the sea baboons Each were turret happy. has like a screaming face on it. And then Except for the main one that has Doom's face. And then and then the starfish down by their foot even has a sad face on him. <laughs> I missed that, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's Patrick Starr from SpongeBob. Forgotten oh. Forgotten Hands Christian Anderson tales, the sad starfish. <laughs> Did you guys glance at the letter page? Yes. Yeah. Kurt Music, age two. <laughs> Me have birthday coming up. So daddy bye. Me a copy of Avengers 1. Me think it great. Hulk look funny as clown. And it's funny too. <laughs> creepy trolls and creepy. Me like team. And hope someday me can tell Avengers story too. But where am Batman? Crip music, age 2. 33 Cedar Circle, Randolph, Massachusetts. Bat who? <laughs> is the answer. <laughs> My favorite thing though is the one from Burt Kusiak. Where I think they managed to list every single character who had ever been published by Marvel oh, yeah. up until that time. <laughs> Villains the Avengers <laughs> could face. Blah 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 blah. Tyrannus Mongol <laughs> was Gom in there. Tyrannus who should team up with Mole Man and Kala. <laughs> <laughs> the oh voice Lord! Of Doom, the Time Master, the creatures from from Cosmos. The Cyclops, not the X-Men character, but the robot. One that was just an Astonished, the Chameleon, the Vulture, the Tinkerer, Dr. Octopus, the Stone Man from Saturn, the Executioner of San Diablo, Loki, the Tomorrow Man, Thug Thatcher. Thug Thatcher. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the Carbon Copy Man, the Chinese Communist, Sandu. Is he any relation to Sando of Sando and Omar fame? The Reactive Man, Professor Zaxton's Evil Duplicate Constructs. <laughs> Painter of a thousand perils. <laughs> that was uh, that was a human torch villain. I remember that one. Human torch villain that Tony Isabella brought back in an issue of Spectacular Spider-Man. Okay, I think that it was, I don't it was, remember. It was either Spectacular Spider-Man or Web of Spider-Man, and he actually created a super team uh, called uh, the uh, Avant Guard. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was all high-art-themed supervillains. You had a ballerina <laughs> who could control the winds called Bora. You had a performance artist slash mind called the Spark. <laughs> it was just... It was just Tony, this is not one of your better days, did, man. Did the mime put them in a box? No, no. He just... <laughs> how, would, how would a mime attack you? Well, like what would a, what would a mime supervillain power be? Well, first he, he would a, have the he had electrical force. powers because he's the spark, the spark of creativity. Oh. so he would like imagine he had a rope and he would pull you towards him, and you're like, hey, 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 what's going on? See, see that's the way. If you're gonna have a mime be a supervillain, that should be his power. Like whatever he mimes actually happens. He there puts you. you in the box. You know, he puts his hands up, and all of a sudden you can't. Hey, I can't move. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, I He's guess walking I'm going to have to rewrite that third novel then. 
He's walking against the <laughs> he's walking against the wind, and you're being blown blown away down the sidewalk. <laughs> but I guess we really have to talk about the uh, the Amazing Spider-Man bonus insert Marvel superheroes in Fast Lane because you know marijuana it's bad. <laughs> this this was in every issue that came out that month. Mm-hmm. The Spider-Man and insert, so and cool. I managed to to have you know a, a full run of books from that month, and never read this insert. No, just go right on by it. Now, was this in? Was this for four months, or was this like weekly? Did it come out in that one month? There was all four parts. No, I think it was four months. Oof. Yeah, that I don't remember, but I know I never read any of them. Mm. I, I managed to, to just every time I look this. To me, I, who drew this anyway? Um, Greg Scheigel. Sh- Scheigel. Although well, not- it's funny that Richard Case, who was a really good uh, pencil artist, he did a lot of uh, Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol, was the inker on this. And I'm sure he was crying all the time. <laughs> I, I don't like this artwork. I don't know. I just... It the, to me like the, the the scene where Jonah's grabbing the poster. Oh, he yeah, he's well, yeah. It looks like like as he moves, his skull is kind of morphing <laughs> like Geico Gecko. It almost has like a touch of Marvel and anime. I don't know. It just it, yeah, but, yeah. It's but it's not yeah. in a good way. This is this was. I mean, this was in an era when a lot of artists were kind of taking on a little anime into their style, and I, I never cared for it. I mean, I like certain anime, but not all anime. Just like I like certain comic art, but not all comic art. And this is kind of like the mixture of the two, two of the the worst, <laughs> or the, the two that I just really don't like. Two great things that don't go great together, or two this bad things. One that panel don't go where where uh, Peter Parker and you know, opposite the one where Jay Turner is turning into the Geico Gecko. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that. The guy is drawing Peter Parker's mouth. Looks so weird. He's a little slack jawed. <laughs> and the uh, I don't know who the the girl with the pigtails or whatever she's got. She looks like she's you know like eleven, <laughs> and this guy's hitting on her. <laughs> <laughs> you say you got pics of Spider Man, Pete? Way cool. Oh, shut up, jackass. Yeah. Just, just go back to hitting on the eleven-year-old <laughs> pedophile. So, and these are unpaid interns. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go talk to the uh, to the the hut the the Huff Post about that. See how that goes. <laughs> I hear they've been getting a lot of flack for that, but this is before that. <laughs> so back back to the Avengers. Back, story, yes, though. yes. Back back to the Avengers. Uh, I. Like I said, I, I look at the, the artwork in this, and I think Bruce Tim, probably wisely, didn't totally try and ape the 60s style and kind of did his own cartoonish style. You know, like, like look at the shot of Reed Richards, and he's kind of barrel-chested and, you know, not really drawn the way Reed Richards was at the time and more like, the, you know, basically the Bruce Tim style. And in the panel above that they show two little kids and they kind of have that bruce tim style uh wasp actually looks a lot like harley quinn in a lot of the shots yeah Mm. 
Yeah. But it, it, it's when you see these books where they're trying to go back to the style from, you know, 30, 40 years ago, they always seem to overemphasize the aspects that they're trying to show. And then they, you know, they, they kind of miss the target and it, it doesn't hit on it. And I, so I, in that respect, I think Tim was wise to not totally go for that. And like I said, stay in his own style a little bit. But it's it still doesn't totally capture the look of that time. I I don't think they're capable of really doing that. When they try to, it's, it always seems that they fail. Yeah, am I making my point clear? No, 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 I, no. I no yeah, uh, because I'm looking at um, one of the house ads, and it shows what appears to be. I'm, I'm thinking this is the original art from then, and it's got Watch for the Greatest Symbols in Comics, and it's got Thor, Iron Man, Spider Man, Ant Man, and the Human Torch in there. And, and if you like, look at that Thor and this Iron Man. And then go into like one page back. You can mm-hmm. see the difference. You can see how, yeah, the it's got more of a cartoonish look to yeah, it. Exactly. You know, which ironically is one of the Bruce things that Bruce Tim would go on to be probably a little bit more famous for. At least now, at this point, wait, when was this published? This is this is nine nine. So, so he already um, would have been famous for. Yeah, Batman yeah. the animated series. Batman the yeah. animated series has always been done. I think that Superman, Superman has at done. least been through its first season. Mm. Yeah, this this I think was like Marty Batman Beyond period, probably. Yeah, yeah. I I do ha- have to admit that the first page looks pretty good, though. Um, Walter Cronkite picture. Yeah, and the 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 only thing that looks a tad cartoonish is the look of the Hulk. You know, he, the Hulk has the smirk, you know, he's got the, or, you know, he's, he's got the furrowed brow, he's got the, you know, the crossed arms. He looks a little cartoonish, but everything else there looks pretty good on, on, on target for the era. It's and, funny, throughout this book, you know, it, facially, the Hulk looks like a cross between, um, Calabac and, uh, Terrible Turpin. <laughs> from the, from, I'm serious, from the, from the Superman cartoon. It, it it does. I mean, I could see what you're talking yeah. about. I could, I definitely can see that. And and everybody's got that very square jawed look, or all the men do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, from from that same style. Oh yeah. Me- meanwhile, the wasps. You know, the wasp has that heart shape between her chin and her uh, cheeks. Mm-hmm. You know, and everybody else is totally square jawed. Well, she's the dainty one. Yes. Like I said, I, I think she looks just like a lot of the shots. She looks just like Harley Quinn to me. Yeah, on page seven of the of the book proper, the bottom panel where she looks really, you know, more car- cartoonish than you would ha- have for like a '60s book. Very wide eyed. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I also like the uh, you know I was talking earlier about the tropes of the day, the fact that Doom could be wearing his mask and then just have a latex mask over that <laughs> and fool everybody. Uh-huh. I mean, in order to get the right shape of the head and everything, he'd have to have this like giant head, <laughs> you know, to get that latex into the right shape. Like, you know, no way that anybody could ever pass for that. But that's what they did back in that day, in those days in the books. That was, you know, not uncommon at all. So I have to guess Avengers Mansion does not, well, I guess it wasn't really Avengers Mansion yet, but I guess they had no metal detectors to detect doom in that costume. 
coming in. I don't know if they had metal detectors, period, at that era. Well, even if they did, wouldn't it go off every time Iron Man walked in the place? <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> uh, can you shut that off? Uh, all right, oh. all right, I'm here. I like the use of uh, footnotes in the story, you know, like in like, in like the they days. would at the time. Unknown yeah. to the other Avengers, cool. Iron Man is Tony Stark. Dumbass. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Doom goes Elvis on, on the TV. Shroom, bzzat, bah. The first shot of the Zeppelin, it's looking quite phallic. <laughs> It's well, huge. Look, sometimes it's a, a, foot, a <laughs> thousand foot long metal rod is a thousand foot long metal rod. All right, Freud. <laughs> but Iron Man is infatuated with it. Genius, thinks Iron Man. Only a genius could have designed such a ship and made it work. Ooh. <laughs> it's huge. Why is there oil leaking down your leg, Iron Man? <laughs> That's not oil. <laughs> the wasp gets taken out by the gas gun. Psst. You will sleep, yeah. woman. Such is the will of Dr. Doom. Now, if this was 1963, would they have the Hulk rip Doom's head off and have it turn out to be a robot, or would that be too violent? Of course not. No, no, they no. Especially then allude that the Hulk didn't even realize it was a robot. That wouldn't be in there. Robot? Robot? I mean, you know, we <laughs> chuckle at it because we're just, you know, heathens. What madness is this? These globes swarm about me like giant black sperm. Oh, so wait, <laughs> that's not a line in there. Oh. <laughs> so on, on the the house ads for the books of the day, you got Kid Colt Outlaw meeting the Red Wolf, which I... The Red Wolf had, I do not believe, had been introduced at this point because I think he, I think his first appearance ever was Avengers seventy seven, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, right. it was in like the seventies or eighties. Um, uh, I think it was like seven nineteen sixty nine was his first appearance, and he got his own book in nineteen seventy. Yeah, but it was like at issue seventy or eighty something. Yeah, eighty three. I thought it was seventy seven, but I could be wrong. I could be thinking somebody else in eighty three. Then we got the Children of the Atom ad, which does not look anything like the art of that day. Oh, we we skipped over the T-shirts. Oh, the T-shirts. I mean, they actually had a lot of those shirts back then. Were were they sell? Yeah, but were now? Could you see? I was looking again to see if you could buy these back in '99. I think so, since they I were think, listed yeah. as sixteen ninety five. Yeah, yeah. It, it's graffiti designs is where the the coupon is for. So I'm assuming that these were actual. Creations. In yeah. in particular, the Hulk ad where he's or the Hulk one where he's pulling the uh, rubber duck on a, on a rope. That one was big at back then. I remember that was a uh, popular shirt in real life. And all of these, I think most of these were available back then. Mm-hmm. Well, well maybe you, not in '63, but shortly after that. You could have a house at well, maybe not at this time. Maybe later, once Neil Adams did the X Men, you could have a house ad that looked like that close yeah that's many years later though yeah but not too many yeah but even then the the um neil adams covers would be much more representational and not uh iconic Mm. you know iconic like this one is yeah that's that that looks nothing like an ad you'd see in that day i think Uh, the only reason that they chose to use 
which is was an actual book that was going on. Uh, the Children of the Atom, this. right? Yeah, this was uh, Stephen R- Steve Rude's. Hmm. Uh, yes, Steve Rude and Joe Kelly's recreation of the first year of the X Men comics. So, in, um, in effect, think, this really was an ad for what was coming out at the time. Yeah, because I think because it took place in the same era as this book was taking place, they figured it was okay. And then I like the Sergeant Fury ad where they basically have them uh, storming the, the beaches of uh, Normandy. Yeah, and it's it's Dick Ayers, mm. you know, the original artist. Yeah, that, that mm. looks absolutely uh, on point to what they were coming out with at the time. Yeah. And I'm willing to bet that the uh, Kid Cult Outlaw one is also uh, Dick Ayers. Yeah, you probably well. Yeah, if you look, there's a uh, on on the Kid Colt Outlaw one at the maybe two thirds of the way down the cover on the right side. There's a signature. PMS. PMS. Postmenstrual. Oh, no, no, no. Somewhere there in the letters page, I think there's a thank you to a number of artists. Um, Dick Ayers, Paul Smith. Paul Smith. That's Mr. Paul Smith. That's probably drawn that one. Really? Ayers. Mm-hmm. He, he he hit it on the nose. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I guess I kind of see that now. Yeah. <laughs> Is there a signature on the Sergeant Fury one? There's one down at the bottom, like on a. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that one is Dick, Dick Ayers. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. What else do we have? Any other? Well, you got the Avengers pin up, mm-hmm. Iron Man in a very funky uh, position, wearing his iron skirt. <laughs> Hello, boys. <laughs> Don't be looking up his skirt. A true Iron Man doesn't wear anything underneath his iron kilt. <laughs> <laughs> See what? Okay, what intrigues me though, um, you know, in in the the, the letter page, they also thank. Um, Christopher Priest, Larry Hama, which makes me think that Priest and Hama wrote one of these ads, and I want to know who did what. Hmm. Yeah, or either they, yeah, they must have done some of the. Well, you got the basically the three, the three phony ads: the sea hmm. monkeys, the. Charles Atlas and the uh, the auto repair. I think Larry Hammond would have done the auto repair. <laughs> you know what? I, w- I would have liked to have seen them do. Just I keep going back to the artwork. I would have loved to have seen them get Marie Severin to draw a book like mm-hmm. this. Even though her drawing days were probably about five years after this. I would have loved to seen that style for it. Well, in my synopsis, I kind of skipped over some of the little things in the dialogue, one of them being the discussion of uh, Thor and the Hulk discussing clothes. <laughs> this is obviously the Mr. Fix-It Hulk. <laughs> yeah, this well, this this comes from an era when they really still hadn't decided what the Hulk's personality was going to be. Mm-hmm. And I'm still not sure they've actually decided to this day what his personality is going to be because they're always <laughs> changing it. But it, it, he, I mean, he was very inconsistent in that era. 
Is that sorry garment your only arraignment, Hulk? Clothed one for two reasons, Thor. Modesty and protection. I'm not modest and I don't need any protection, understand? I don't care for your tone. And then Jarvis butts in. Him, Major Bowman to see you, says, madam. And then we see Hulk and Thor whispering, We shall settle this matter anon. I'll be waiting, long hair. <laughs> Was I the only one who thought, went before I read the dialogue on page three, that this was Glenn Talbot? Uh, yeah. No, you were not. Well, I, I thought the same thing. Yeah, but I don't but, think Glenn Talbot had been introduced yet. Yeah. Um, no, he get, doesn't get introduced to the mid-60s. He was, I mean, he was introduced in Tales to Astonish, which yes. hadn't come out yet. Basically, I don't think there was, I don't think there was a, long period of time between Hulk number six when the series got cancelled and the point when he did take over the series or the half the book in Tales to Astonish. I think it was a relatively short period, maybe a year, maybe not even that much. Mm. Well there should okay. Um Tales to Astonish according to this is um up to issue number forty nine. The Hulk, he came in around fifty-five. Yeah, the Hulk takes over. I think it, 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 around issue number, like shortly after issue number fifty, takes over the, the Giant Man slot. Well, no, because it was Hulk and Giant Man for a while. And then Submariner, oh, must, took over yeah, the must Giant be Submariner comes along and says, "Get thee gone! I'm going to be a dick for a couple of issues because <laughs> <laughs> I am Namor. That is my superpower, really, being a dick." And my See, little Hulk, tiny Hulk, wing feet. Hulk came in in 59, which was the issue where Giant Man is actually trying to capture him, and it was not a shared book. They were both in the same story. Mm-hmm. And then issue 60 is the first one with a split book. Right. I always which, loved those split books myself. Yeah, so did I. 60 came out in uh, October. Well, it was cover dated October of 64. Okay. So this so is less than a year away. 63. Mm-hmm. So, so page five, the top of that, we have uh, the Wasp leaning over, looking longingly at Thor. Very next panel, Hank Pym does not look happy. <laughs> I, you know, you, you, you see her <laughs> left Janet hand. Janet Van Dyne was a horn dog, wasn't she? <laughs> you see her left hand, you don't see where the right hand is. I think that could be reaching, <laughs> reaching around. And then Hank Hank has the scowl through the. Th- or actually, you see her right, not her left. Excuse me. Uh, she could be massaging his shoulder. Or she could be reaching around through it. <laughs> just saying, I you know I'm just want to explore all possibilities here. You know how long it took me to come up with a helicopter reference? It wasn't taken by some other podcast. <laughs> I tried to help you with Apocalypse Now. I guess that didn't work out. Well, no. My next thing was the the helicopters in the opening of Mash, but I'm like, no, no, no. And I finally, I just kept looking around. I'm like, yeah, what was that show with the big giant Sikorsky helicopter? Oh, yeah, Riptide. All right. I used to watch that. I got a laugh out of Dave on that one, so. <laughs> I was waiting for you to get to a Magnum PI, so. I covered that one, but I was like, no, no, somebody's got that already. No, no. Didn't Simon and Simon also have a helicopter? No, they had the, Rick had the, the big, uh, the big truck. Big truck with like the big brush guard on the front. I don't think they had a helicopter. Rick and AJ. That's a show I never watched. What? Sorry, I was never a big Gerald McCraney fan. 
Can so I you missed you? out on the, whole, on the major dad, huh? Major dad totally escaped me. I didn't even go for designing women with his old lady. Uh, the, sh- the shot when uh, when Hulk is jumping from the helicopter to the Zeppelin thingy, uh, he kind of has like a little bit of a goon look because he's got some man boobs in that shot. <laughs> I gotta find that. And I love the prominent front teeth he has in the lower panel there. <laughs> well, it's kind of the Cro-Magnon Hulk. Hulk needs yeah. orthodonture. <laughs> so he burst through the side of the uh, of, of the Zeppelin, whatever it is. Batum. And he, crea- he created a big enough hole for the helicopter to fly into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's pretty good. Meanwhile, Thor was cowering like a little girl when he punched that hole in there. Oh, my eyes. <laughs> no, we must wait for the others. <laughs> <laughs> when did Hulk become such... So, I mean, when did Thor become such a wimp? Thor's the team player, I guess, here. And then Hulk... Hulk oh, slip. these giant globes, they swarm around me. <laughs> Stop, <laughs> Thor, please. What this is this? Holes. <laughs> <laughs> Confound that Hulk and his insufferable stubbornness. I fear we should never be able to. How did I become Austrian? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I'm Thor. Yeah, yup and Yemeni. I fear we should never be able to work as a team. Like, the, the, only, the only guy in the team with long hair, he was like the prissiest one of all. <laughs> <laughs> they, do, they do like... Uh, bridge the gap a little bit between issue one and issue two though where you know hulk would sense this whole distrust for him mm-hmm. that eventually made him leave the team in the second issue because it did as it played out in the in the regular time it, it seemed kind of abrupt that all of a sudden oh you guys hate me i'm leaving so this this story did help to to build towards that a little bit yeah because the space phantom goes on and i if i remember correctly he um yeah Pretends to be the Hulk, and the Hulk gets blamed for other stuff, and then you know he comes out of the, and then he comes back. No, it wasn't me. Blah blah blah. blah. Big misunderstanding, and he's like, "I'm done. I'm out of here." <laughs> That's a pretty pretty ingenious trap for the Hulk. You just keep spinning him up in the air in a circle, and he can't touch anything. You know, he can get as mad as he wants, but if he can't hit anything, not going to do him a lot of good. And then he blarfs when he comes out. <laughs> well, he wouldn't blarf. Blarf. Yeah, I don't think you would have I, seen I, a blarf in a 60s comic. You get the impression that, that, that Doom knew what his priorities were because, okay, Thor gets the, the, the blue balls of fury. <laughs> Hulk gets the spinning Teflon room. The Teflon Don. Iron Man gets the the big will sapping Johnny Five. <laughs> Johnny Five alive. And what does Hank Pym get? Gas. Gas. <laughs> and then of course we get the panel on page fifteen, you know. Where where we find out that apparently he's joining Major Tom. <laughs> yeah. Junkie to junkie, we know Hank Pym is a junkie. <laughs> he really is. Also, also particles getting big, big, big. 
One oh. pill makes him taller. <laughs> oh, Dave, they pulled small. you in. <laughs> we have a third singer, yes. And the one that right, Hank... I, I gotta go, guys. <laughs> and the one that Hank Pym gives you doesn't do anything at all. Go I, ask Janet I, when Hank is... Nah, I, I lost when Hank is mad, slap, slap, slap. Uh, go ask Janet when she's massaging <laughs> Thor. <laughs> of course, massaging Thor is a euphemism for a certain particular sexual <laughs> position only known by certain people in Thailand. <laughs> <laughs> On page 15, we have Happy Doom. It must be his, ha- his happy ar- armor face. He must have switched the face. And he, he, he looks a little goomish. Hi, I'm Doom. <laughs> Which page? 15. The one yeah. where he's got his fists up in the air and he's shaking them like a fist on care. I'm Doom. That was a pretty goom face right there. <laughs> well, maybe maybe you do the same thing with him where you have the uh, the family guy voice. Hey. Know, know now that your final moments are being recorded for posterity. <laughs> Soon the entire world shall see how I have defeated these so-called mighty Avengers. <laughs> oh, gonna be doom, okay? <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't very nice. I'm sorry. <laughs> he's, he's, a very, he's a very, very happy Doombot, too. <laughs> it's not even really Doom. That was, that was one of the faulty Doombots, I guess. And then Hank Pym escapes from the uh, trap, I guess, from being constipated. You know, he screams. Get, get his x-ray. <laughs> get his so, x-ray. By the way, was this one of these stories where, like, you know, because I always get the impression, like, John Byrne would, like, drift into the Marvel offices and start randomly scribbling, it's a Doombot! <laughs> <laughs> but, John, you're no longer writing that book. Doesn't matter. It's a Doombot! Yeah, well, well, burn, burn, like to basically burn, like to shit on other people's stories a lot. <laughs> well, uh, to be fair, this was about no, no, no. He 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 had been off West Coast Avengers at this time as well, wasn't he? Yeah, oh yeah, burn? yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he was, was doing he doing at that point. I think by this time, I, I don't think even he think was... West Coast Avengers was coming out anymore. No, it was gone because Burn was doing. Because I remember I, w- I was in the Navy when. His run on West Coast Avengers came out, and that was eighty nine ish, ninety ish. So, so he strangling the life out of Ron Mars over at DC with his Wonder Woman. Yeah, I think he was might have been might not have been doing Wonder Woman yet, but he might have. When was his Justice League run? He had a short that Justice was later, League run. Was much later, was it? Okay. I think that's like 2003 or so. I, th- I think, yeah, I think. Yeah, he might have been doing Wonder Woman. I think this me, was after Donald the Troy, You can't have right? Hmm. right? This would have been after X-Men, The Hidden Years. Oh, you know what? Maybe he was doing, maybe he was doing Spider-Man. He was doing Spider-Man at this point, wasn't he? Chapter one? Yeah. I think around this time. Gosh, I forgot. See, I forgot all about his Spider-Man. Well, he did. He did Chapter One, but he also did Spider-Man proper for a while. Yeah, he did. Uh, I think he did Amazing. Was it Amazing or was it just or Adjectiveless? I think he was doing I, Amazing too. I, yeah, I think it was Amazing. Yeah, because then they relaunched the numbering 
And he started. Yeah, no, he started issue one, and had I think Jr. Jr. had the other series. Yeah. No, I think John Romita Jr. had Amazing, and Byrne had Byrne was writing Amazing, and John Romita was draw was drawing it, and and Byrne was drawing over Ralph Mach not Ralph Macchio, Ralph, Ralph, Ralph Macchio, the karate not karate. No, uh, what's his name? The guy who actually wax on, that. wax off, ink on, ink off. <laughs> not Vinnie Collette. I can't even remember who it was. It was it was an art. It was a writer who eventually burned out and left the left the industry a couple of years. Burned later. out. <laughs> Is that supposed to be clever? <laughs> no, that was not intended. Oh God. <laughs> Why do I keep thinking Ralph Macchio? It wasn't Ralph Macchio who was the editor at the time, though. Hmm. Oh, regardless, I forgot that entire period. So let's. So on page eighteen, we get a nice recharge of. Uh, well, first we have a pretty, <laughs> pretty sick looking Tony Stark. He <laughs> went through the armor mask. You can see his eyes. He's like ready to croak. <laughs> oh, I, oh, I shouldn't have had all that solar power. Oh. <laughs> mm. Here we go. We pulled another one in. All right, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt you for a second. Amazing Spider-Man relaunched. Dated uh, cover dated January 1999, written by Mackey and drawn by Byrne. Howard Mackey, that's it. That's oh, yeah. who it was. Yeah, so he, he, he actually he yeah. Then he would have still been doing this at this point. So yeah, he yeah. probably came in and put the Doom bots in the strip. Right, because <laughs> I think that the, that the the relaunch was what killed Mackey. Because I think after about the third year of the relaunch, he left the industry entirely. Mm. I don't think he's written another thing since. So we get a nice recharge of uh, Iron Man by mm. Thor with a Fazak. Which is there is... something disturbing about the way Iron Man is reacting? <laughs> oh, oh, give me another piece of lightning there. Oh, just right there, right there. Oh, oh, that's a spot. Yeah. Oh, oh, ah. I, I like it better when he like plugs into like a car battery and gets recharged. <laughs> <laughs> just get me, just get me close to that outlet. I'll be fine. Get me into the sun. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> just get me into the sun. A week or two, I'll be fine. Iron Man on the next page. What? I love the jazz hands. Iron Man on the next. Yeah. Repulsive blast. And one and two and one and two. He's got very square fingers. Must be hard to pick things up with them gloves. Damn, he's trying to pick up a P or something. No, you, oh. come on, you you just have to sign this contract. Get, get that pen. <laughs> <laughs> snap! Oh, snap! Oh, I got to build a pen in this finger or something. So so we get uh, we get Family Guy Doom. <laughs> the first image of where us to see to see the wasp helpless in the hand. Oh, the hammer! No, it cannot be. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Okay. But this scheme has failed, mortal. Now you shall learn why we are called the Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are the College Avengers. Jumping Yemeni. We would hang Pim in a leader's It's like Owen Wilson Thor. <laughs> oh, wait. You got to smash his nose a little bit. Poof. Yes. Sounds none but the radioactive man has ever deflected Mjolnir. But that's okay. We're going to be cool about it. 
<laughs> so now, I. On, right, on, Iron Man, little buddy? Jazz hands. <laughs> the page before the jazz hands. Where uh, where, where Iron Man is just recovering from the Thor uh, <laughs> recharge in the, in the bottom. You can, right, you can call it that. Yes. Yeah, he, he's smoking a cigarette. Uh, <laughs> the bottom left corner, that panel, is the Hulk like three and a half feet tall? <laughs> he's like Wolverine height. Uh, it's a little, yeah, he's, yeah, well, the Hulk size varies because if you look at the top of the panel, the top of that page, he's taller than the than Bowman, mm-hmm. he, and he's actually uh, behind him. Oh, he's he's further back from Thor, and he's a lot bigger than him. Yeah, so yeah, mm-hmm. the, the proportions are off, but he kind of make makes up for it because on the next page, the four panel page, and the bottom panel after Doom Blast Hulk, that's a pretty nice close up of the Hulk being mad. Yeah, yeah. And then you can get Plato Hulk up in the second panel. <laughs> yeah. Doom. <laughs> you dare. Like, kind of like a stretch Armstrong look. <laughs> Fool, Doom never surrenders. Although in that that close up he does he does have some goom teeth there on the bottom. Yeah. But goom, will, goom would only have two. Yeah. Now yeah. you made me mad. <laughs> <laughs> Is this goom or goma pile? <laughs> Goomer pile, whichever. <laughs> By the way, I love the fact that he actually has that, that Iron Man, and in some panels, actually has an outlet. Oh like, yeah, look at that. He's oh, got two. Yeah. Oh, what on the chest? Oh yeah, <laughs> like b- below nice. his chest. Uh, He's good for recharging your mobile phones. Yeah, you never know, man. <laughs> smartphones. Jeez. No, don't plug that in. You'll drain my repulse. Oh, my chest. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we and then Janet, we have to get out of here. We have to get back to the chopper. We can't get oh. back to the chopper. The copter. To the copter. Now, yeah. I got a little uh being in the navy, I have to to take take uh I don't like them using the term scuttling. Scuttling is when you sink a ship. Right. Te- technically this thing's in the air. So why is it gonna list? Oh, we're taking on too much air on that side. Holy crap. We're going down. So I mean, but I guess the you you can scuttle a ship in the air. I well, I'll let it go. When when they're sending Bowman out, uh, you know, there's like a whole panel there with all sorts of buttons and everything, and the only one with a label on it is eject. eject. And then <laughs> and, and, and and then Hulk has the tiny tink with his foot with his finger, tink. <laughs> and then the panel above that, it looks like Iron Man is giving Hulk a dental exam with that thing on his shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> now spit. <laughs> I told you I don't need to. I don't need. I don't need periodontist. Leave me alone, Tony. Hulk need orthodontist, not periodontist. <laughs> Have bad overbite. Wants to straighten out his smile. <laughs> oh. And then we have a. Uh, on the big splash page, we have a Matt Smith Doctor Who reference before it happens with Geronimo. Yes. <laughs> Geronimo! I guess Hulk's just going to smash into the ground because he's the Hulk. <laughs> but why do Ant-Man and the... Oh, I know why. they. Well, can't. Ant-Man doesn't fly. Yeah, that's true. And the Wasp was 
going to crawl down and uh, service Thor while he was flying. Oh, what? What? He didn't have his <laughs> bazillion man army of ants. There was no ants on that thing. Yeah, okay. I need to ride over. Thanks, here. Paul. Now you've given me flashbacks of, of that Jeff Johns issue. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Oh. Your turn. <laughs> right? Isn't that what he comes out and says? I am never going to sleep again. <laughs> <laughs> I had forgotten about that until you brought it up, but that was very disturbing. <laughs> Refresh my memory. I'm drawing a blank. Uh, well, basically, I mean, they don't say it in so many words, but basically what he does is he shrinks down and he crawls inside and services her. Wow. What? Ah. Uh, yeah. Who? Wow. It, into who? It's, it, it's the first issue of the very short Jeff Johns run. Jeff Johns had been announced as the writer who was going to take over right after Kirk Fusiak left. Yeah, I I kind of remember those, but I guess I never really read those fully yet. And there is a scene, and you, I think you can find it still on the internet. There's a scene of a fully grown Janet Van Dyne, obviously naked under the sheets, has a miniaturized Hank Pym emerges. This in a comic? <laughs> this was in a comic. Yes, sir. Holy This crap. was in a comic. Well, I gotta have that in my collection. I gotta go find that. <laughs> it's it's cr- one of the most creepy and disturbing things I think I've ever seen. And I read all of Blackest Night. <laughs> <laughs> well, he could have, wow. you know, maybe he's just a gynecologist now. <laughs> think about yeah, it. He was basically giving her the exam. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to see uh, well, uh, if I can figure out which issue it was that it happened in. You guys keep talking while I look. Oh my God. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just Rolling shock. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Avengers 71 of the... Uh, it was the beginning of the... Was it the Red Zone? Oh, with the, with the Red Skull? Well, this, yeah. this was an issue with Whirlwind. So it, it was a, uh, a... A Hank Pym and Wasp-centric issue. issue. But it was, you know, I mean, it didn't take a lot of imagination to figure out what uh, what went on. Good you may have to do a little editing wow. with this part because we're we're being very silent as well. It's going. Oh yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I think we're just like... I think we're all disturbed. <laughs> yes. I, yeah, certainly, wow. certainly, Jeff Johns was. Jiminy <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, crickets! Oh he, my. Yumpin' Yemeni, he is inside, huh? Yes. Well, I, I, I actually have the issue in front. They show kind of Vegas, you know, like a uh, like a, a nightscape of the uh, hotels, and then from one hotel you hear, uh, there's the word balloon, no Hank, not again. <laughs> then she says, Hank, please, and then no more, mmm. And, uh... Is that an Iron Man, mmm, wow. or is that a... Oh, that's and a, there he is, naked, standing in between her cleavage. There he is, coming up out. I wonder kids don't buy comics anymore. Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember looking at this going, what the fuck? <laughs> I, I think when that came out, I had actually stopped buying the Avengers for, for a time. And one of my friends told me about it. He was like, you got to see this. And he pointed it out to me and uh, thought, wow, 
Very course, graphic. The thing I've always wanted to know is it's one of those, you know, there are a couple of like fly on the wall moments. I'd love to go back in time and just see what the hell happened. Like, I want to know what happened on that third day that the Sinister Sweatshirt was the head coach of the Jets that caused him to sneak away in the middle of the night and, and run tail to New England. Well, I, I just think that they just behind the scenes offered him so much money that he said, screw it, I'm, I'm taking it. But, but regardless, I also want to know, I want to be a fly on the wall, go back in time and be a fly on the wall to find out what it was that caught, because they were like a big deal about this. You know, uh, Jeff Johns is our newest Avengers writer. He's going to be here for a long time. Nope, apparently not. What do you do about seven issues, something like that? I think so. I think that it was it was uh, one or two like bridging issues because he's also the one I think that that revealed that uh, the the Avengers liaison that Kurt Busiek had created had died in the uh, in the Kang Wars. Mm-hmm. And then and it was sorry. No, I'm not laughing about that. I'm, I'll get to it. And, and I think it was the Red Zone story, which was not a bad story. Mm-hmm. As, as I recall, I thought that was that, that's the Red Skull one, correct? Right. Where he's he's when, and the Black Panther has... basically takes him out, and he's like disgusted that it's a black man defeating him. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, I thought that was, you know, I I, I I what I remember about that story is that because the Red Skull, you know, was obviously a Nazi racist, and he was so offended by it that the that the Black Panther took off his gloves. Mm-hmm. To pummel him with his bare hands because it would offend the Red Skull so much, like he purposely mm. did that. And I thought that yeah. was a nice little touch. Well, I just went through this whole whole issue, and I guess what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Especially the the gigantic, monstrous, naked Hank Pym standing over the Sphinx statue. There's just way too much. <laughs> <laughs> On page 16 of the PDF. Yeah. Phrases you never expected to hear ever. Certainly you never wanted to hear. Straddling the head of a sphinx naked. <laughs> Screaming, don't you dare touch her. Okay. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and, and people complain about the Brian Michael Bendis stuff. And how DC's gotten a little darker or well, well that's jeff not Jones. i mean that's not all <laughs> jeff johns man yeah that's oh no well, we know who to lay the blame for that on five-year timeline oh sorry did i say that out loud <laughs> hi everybody i'm dan didio i was thinking as i'm going over the bridge seeing all the guys the cops well we got dan didio here don't we dan you're here right yeah we got dan didio you know what <laughs> actually uh i had a facebook conversation with dan didio and he was like it was, it was kind of cool. We were talking about some comic stores in Brooklyn from you know thirty years ago, and uh, it seems we had frequented some of the same stores back then. <laughs> I don't know if Tom, if you were ever familiar with uh, my friend's bookstore over on Flatbush and Ditmas. No, that was that was too far uh, west of me. Okay, because that know, was a uh, pretty popular place. Yeah, I was in Highland time. Park when I was in when I was growing up in Brooklyn. Which is like right near the border. Mm-hmm. So, um, but, <laughs> sorry, like I'm, now I'm never, I'm not going to be able to get that image out of my head. 
The Sphinx image? No, what's over the Sphinx? <laughs> the junk. What's dangling? The junk. The dangling participle over the Sphinx. It's a giant slug. Oh, looks like he didn't enlarge that portion of himself. Oh! <laughs> Guess you're not giant man after all, now are you? And keep in mind that because he left so quickly, that's why we got Chuck Austin. And some, people forget the Chuck Austin run where he was like doing things like, "Hey, let's let's bring Captain Britain over here." Oh yeah, that is. Let's make her the what is it like a single mom of who gets killed and has to be resurrected. Uh, yeah, that got really yeah. weird. Yeah, there's a good reason why Chuck Austin also isn't writing comics right now. Huh. I, I think that the the writing was on the wall for him when he wrote the thing about the. Uh, Disintegration communion wafers. I don't remember that. He wrote a storyline where there was a anti-Catholic villain who was planning on making Nightcrawler Pope. (laughs) Sorry. And then flooding the churches with communion wafers that would disintegrate anybody who would eat who who took. Oh wow. And this was a story that apparently an editor had approved. Hmm. Weird stuff. Now, uh, it looks like John's run was from issue 71 to 76, by the way, and did not include that Red Skull story. Okay. Who then wrote? Oh, it must have been Joe Kelly then. I don't remember who wrote it. I don't remember exactly where that story fell in the timeline. Because I know it's it's air, red it's, red zone red, red zone. zone I think yeah. it's called okay. yeah well actually no apparently that, was, that that took place before that's in I'm looking issue sixty five had red zone part one that was okay. when the red skull was posing as the head of the Department of Defense Del Rusk yeah yeah, yeah. Del Rusk <laughs> so so the, the run started earlier it ended at issue seventy five but I'm not sure exactly where it began hi I'm Lib Nasnabor <laughs> which is my name spelled backwards. <laughs> Let me. Was he the one that also wrote that that strange issue with the with the Falcon? I'm not sure which strange issue you mean. It's like an issue where it's like it's the Falcon solo story where he goes on to great lengths about explaining how his is you know his telepathic link extends to all birds. I don't think I ever read that one. Oh so, gosh, and he maybe. uses like he 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 defeats the scarecrow by bringing a whole slew of birds down to beat him up. Come to me, my avian friends. <laughs> so he basically became the bird version of Aquaman. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but we all notice that once again, this is one of these things that has never been mentioned again. Yeah, I mean they do hit on the telepathic link with Red Wing. Yeah, but not all birds. Yeah, I don't ever remember seeing that in any issue ever. Can he call Tweety it's Bird? It's like to him? in the '60s when um, Daredevil decided he had to have the, the special tape recorder in his billy club called the Snooperscope. <laughs> I'm sure that listed one issue, uh, two issues, but oh. for, or, or the time he decided he had that he he put on like basically what would look like a hoodie. 
on the back of his on the back of his his red and gold uh, his red and gold costume, so he could stash his street clothes. Oh, like so he looked like a backpacker going through going to you know traveling to the nearest hostel. <laughs> Don't you know you just web them to stuff? <laughs> web it to your back. Well, yeah. Well, Spider Man would make the web knapsack for his clothes sometimes. Yeah. And luckily, I guess the webs would just uh, dissolve exactly when he was ready to get dressed again. Exactly. Or not, he's sitting there going, ah, oh, oh, man, I got man, this I, web crap on him. I ripped my shirt. Damn. I mean, th- this was an interesting, th- getting back to this book. Remember this? that this is supposed to be about this book? <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Which book was that? <laughs> Avengers 1.5. Well, oh, yeah. the last picture that I would have mentioned is the one, because we had touched on this in uh, the first episode and that was about the hulk and the clown makeup <laughs> what was that he was he was mecano mecano he had the little the little suit on with Let's the little... See if i'm gonna hide hmm. here's the idea i'm gonna be the circus strongman i'm gonna juggle a what was elephant. it an elephant he was stretching an, an elephant a horse and a seal if i remember correctly <laughs> don't, don't ever find me i never suspect it's me well, I have, I have a sad clown smile. <laughs> Send in the clowns. Well, that could be the singing last battle. Goofy <laughs> dream logic to some of these early Stan and Jack things, you know. <laughs> and well, you think... gotta, you gotta love some of that stuff. I think I think Jack was uh, using various substances. <laughs> No, I can't see Jack as a, as a as a drug user. I have I don't know if I have no idea if it's reality, but I have heard tales of uh, Jack not not doing anything heavy, but smoking a little weed. I don't know if it's true or not, but I have heard that. And if so, he's you know he's the early day hippie. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess we kind of covered a bonus issue in here. We covered issue seventy one of the. With the other run too, with the with the giant naked giant man beating up Rowan. <laughs> oh God! Um, uh, that was from was November of two thousand and three. Hmm. Issue seventy one was November of two thousand and three. Okay. So a couple of years after what we're reading now. Yeah. So then from there, I think, like I said, we get the Chuck Austin abortive run, and then begins the end of the Avengers, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, then Bendis came on and did Disassembled right mm-hmm. after Austin. And, oh, I know what, what, what Johns did do, though. And it was actually, I think, a pretty decent episode, the uh, issue. The issue where we learned uh, about Jack of Hearts and how he spends like 23 hours a day sitting in a room doing nothing. I think that's part of his run. That's, I, I vaguely remember that. But I don't. I really don't remember the details of it. But I, you know, I just remember it, like it was presented as him having like this tortured existence. Mm-hmm. And and it was it was supposedly going to be about Scott Lang, Scott Lang and his you know arguing. But it was basically about Jack of Hearts sitting in a room for three hours for, for twenty one pages. Yeah, because he had to or to leech off the excess energy, or he would explode. Right. right? Yeah. Then he blows up anyway. Yeah, exactly. Prentice has decided, I'm going to disassemble everything. No, I'll disassemble Avenger 5. 
Well, I think we've beat this horse into the ground. Or, <laughs> or juggled it into the ground. or <laughs> To go from Hank Pym, small guy, to Hank Pym's giant slog over Las Vegas. <laughs> Which I think was a Paulie Shore movie, Schlag over Las Vegas. <laughs> Hank, that, would, that would be Paulie uh, Pauly Shore's uh, attempt at dramatic acting. Hank Pym's weasel. <laughs> well... Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by visiting the Two True Freaks section of www.forumforgeeks.com. Back to the Bins is produced in association with the Two True Freaks podcast, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com and is a registered trademark of Demanzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Back to the Bins is a proud member of both the League of Comic Book Podcasts, which you may find at comicbooknoise.com league, and also the Comics Podcast Network, which you may find at comicspodcasts.com. Take a moment to stop by their respective sites and support their other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week.